My name is Michelle, and I'll be your moderator for this class. Welcome to the Madison, Wisconsin School. This is a school and not a church, and neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious, and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh, our Elohim, and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year 1958. We hold classes in the United States, Canada, and certain other foreign countries. The Madison branch was established in 1987. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means that Elohim is a title that our creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it's an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew language the Greek language nor the Latin language have any characters or letters in their alphabet that produce a sound that is made by this letter J. <clears throat> Neither was there a letter J in the English language until some 1400 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus or Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of our father and his son. Christ is a title, just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state, symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on the chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in this pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Elohim. This is the word or son, a superincorporeal being that is having the shape and form of a man but without flesh and blood. This form can only be seen in divine visions, 
and understood in divine revelations. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now there is only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, what was the name of the Savior during the time he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface of a holy name Bible. Also at this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It is called the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses the top Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and function of this threefold tabernacle pattern, and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The primary constitutional objectives and aims of the Institute are as follows. First, help you find and know Yahweh, our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah, without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Fourth, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, and modern, practical, and occult science. Fifth, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Six, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seventh, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the dragon, the devil, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eighth, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained there is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And tenth, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace, and our slogan is speak the truth. <clears throat> our scripture reading tonight will be Lamentations, the first chapter. And that will please be read by Dr. Delilah Tucker of the Madison, Wisconsin School. And if we could begin class with a prayer from Dr. Kobe Brown, also of the Madison, Wisconsin School. Thank you. Good evening, class. I'd like to say that I'm happy to be here, uh, excited to be here among the assembly. I'd like to start off by thanking Yahweh for opening our eyes, allowing us to see beyond the flesh, 
to come to a personal knowledge of him. I'd like to thank Yahweh also for taking the flesh from our ears so that we can hear the truth and discern a lie. And I'd like to thank Yahweh for the speakers that, that he's chosen to deliver his word in truth so that we can learn. And we appreciate the blessing of allowing us to come together in this assembly, to sit among the host of angels, to sit in his presence and allow us to know that and understand that and believe that and live it. And with that, let the class say, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Good evening. I'll be reading Lamentations, the first chapter. How doth the city sit solitary that was full of people? How will she become as a widow? She that was great among the nations and princes among the provinces. How will she become tributary? She weepeth sore in the night and her tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she hath none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They are become as enemies. Judah is gone into captivity because of affliction and because of great servitude. She dwelleth among the heathen. She findeth no rest. All her persecutors overtook her between the straits. The ways of Zion do mourn because none come to the solemn feast. All her gates are des desolate. Her priests sigh. Her virgins are afflicted, and she is in bitterness. Her adversaries are the chief. Her enemies prosper, for Yahweh hath afflicted her for the multitude of her transgressions. Her children are gone into captivity before the enemy. And from the daughter of Zion, all her beauty is departed. Her princes are become like hearts that find no pasture. And they are gone without strength before the pursuer. Jerusalem remembered in the days of her affliction and of her miseries all her pleasant things that she had in the days of old. When her people fell into the hands of the enemy and none did help her, the adversary saw her and did mock at her Sabbaths. Jerusalem hath grievously sinned, therefore she is removed. All that honored her despise her, because they have seen her nakedness. Yea, she sighed and turned backwards. Her filthiness is in her skirts. She remembers not her last end. Therefore, she came down wonderfully. She had no comforter. O Yahweh, behold my affliction, for the enemy hath magnified himself. The adversary hath spread out his hand upon all her pleasant things, for she hath seen that the heathen entered into her sanctuary, whom thou dost command that they should not enter into thy congregation. All her people sigh, they seek bread, they have given their pleasant things for meat to relieve the soul. See, O Yahweh, and consider, for I am become vile. Is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? Behold, and see if there be sorrow like unto my sorrow, which is done unto me 
wherewith Yahweh hath afflicted me in the day of his fierce anger. From above hath he set fire into my bones, and it prevaileth against them, and he hath spread a net for my feet. He turned back, turned me back. He hath made me desolate and faint all the day. The yoke of my transgressions is bound by his hand. They are wreathed and come up against my neck and come up upon my neck. He hath made me strength to fall, my strength to fall. Yahweh hath delivered me into their hands from whom I am not able to rise up. Yahweh had trodden underfoot all my mighty men in the midst of me. He hath called an assembly against me to crush my young men. Yahweh hath trodden the virgin, the daughter of Judah, as in a winepress. For these things I weep, mine eyes, mine eyes runneth down with water, because the comfort that should relieve my soul is far from me. My children are desolate, because the enemy prevailed. Zion spreadeth forth her hands, and there is none to comfort her. Yahweh had commanded concerning Jacob that his adversaries should be round about him. Jerusalem is as a menstruous woman among them. Yahweh is righteous, for I have rebelled against his commandment. Here I pray you, O people, and behold my sorrow. My virgins and my young men are gone into captivity. I called for my lovers, lovers, but they deceived me. My priests and my elders gave up the ghosts in the city while they sought their meat to relieve their souls. Behold, Yahweh, for I am distressed. I am in distress. My bowels are troubled. Mine heart is turned within me. For I have grievously rebelled abroad the sword bereaved at home, there is as death. They have heard that I sigh, there is none to comfort me. All my enemies have heard of my trouble, they are glad that thou hast done it. Thou wilt bring the day that thou hast called, and they shall be like unto me. Let all their wickedness come before thee. And do unto thee as thou hast done unto me for all my transgressions. For my sighs are many and my heart is faint. Thank you. Our readers this evening will be Dr. Karen Gagno of the Madison, Wisconsin School and Dr. Jake Piantek of the Green Bay, Wisconsin School. Welcome everyone tonight. We're glad that you're here. A special welcome to our visiting brethren. Thank you for joining us and also those watching on YouTube now and in the future. We're glad that you took the time to come. We will have a three speaker format tonight with each speaker receiving approximately 35 minutes. And the first speaker I'd like to call on is Dr. Steve Gagno, Dean of the Madison, Wisconsin School. Good evening, everyone. It's always a pleasure. Um, I, I, uh, I've read Lamentations, but I've never had it as a scripture reading. And before class, I was just kind of thumbing through things and it popped open and I just read it the first chapter again. And I was struck a little bit by the first chapter. 
you know, and uh, lamentations, you know, they don't they don't say specifically, but they think it's accredited to Jeremiah because he's warning the people, you know, of all the things that they do, they'll be put into captivity and so on. And, and all these things have come to pass. And it's kind of a follow up on that. But when I was looking at it before class, I was just reading the first chapter. It's there's a lot of ways you can look at it, lamentations in Yahweh's purpose. And uh, um, where is it? Uh, uh, Yahweh is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow. Or is that in the Law and the Prophets? Or it's Hebrews, uh, Hebrews uh, 13 and 8. Well, there you go. I'm, I'm keeping you, Sasha. Nobody can have you. Thank you. Can we read that, please? Don't fight over it. Just all jump in together. That's kidding, Jake. Come on. Hello. Jake, do I have you? Uh, yep, Hebrews 13 and 8. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. Uh, Yahshua the Messiah is the same yesterday and today and forever. That's all it says? Okay, I thought there was more in there. Yep. Is it anywhere in the prophets where that uh, comes up again, Sasha? It says, I'm, I'm Yahweh, I change not. I'm Yahweh, I change. But I, I just like, I'm looking for where, you know, yesterday, today, tomorrow, he's done, but, you know, the end is declared. That's what I want. The end is declared from the beginning. That's what it's I need. Isaiah 46, 9. See, that's a better yeah. reference. Isaiah. 46. I'm writing my own notes. Thank you. Jake, you can get it because I don't know if Karen's up there or not. Um, Isaiah 46 and uh, 9 and 10. Thank you. Remember the former things of old, for I am Yahweh and there is none else. Mm -hmm. I am Yahweh and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. So, and you can tie this in basically with the purpose. Yahweh stepped out of pure spirit. Thanks, Jake. Yahweh stepped out of pure spirit and took on a shape and form, Yahweh Elohim. And in the shape of Yahweh Elohim, we know that Elohim is the pattern, Elohim, the archetype, original pattern of the universe, and the pattern declares his purpose. His purpose is salvation, to be salvation. If everything we say in the moderation is made and operates according to the structure and the function of this threefold tabernacle pattern, and nothing escapes it, then that is the purpose, salvation to be salvation. And then we go about the look in the law and the prophets, and we see the, the trek of the children of Israel, how they were separated out. This is a journey on how Yahweh is going to set up salvation. He brings it through the children of Israel, a, a chosen people. He gives them things to do 
so to establish their righteousness and that's in deuteronomy uh where is the one i can never remember uh, yeah 24 i always like to pick it up one before that if karen's up there she can grab that was we'll just to get her involved Deuteronomy 6 and 24. Thank you. And Yahweh commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear Yahweh our Elohim for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is at this day. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before Yahweh our Elohim as he has commanded us. So it was to establish righteousness, but the problem was they couldn't keep this law. Yahweh separated them, separated them out and made a covenant with them, an agreement with them, made them his people, revealed his himself to them, spoke to them from the mountain, gave, sent down uh, Moses with the instructions to build this tabernacle. And they had a covenant and they said, all that you said, Yahweh, we will do. I will be your El, I'll be there in your battles, all of it. I'll take care. He took them out of Egypt. They would have never got out of there on their own. He, When they came down, Moses came down with a name. Egypt got destroyed, 10 plagues, and they left out after the Passover. And that's when he made the covenant. So this whole thing is Yahweh, we say, what is eternal life? John 17 and 3, Jake. Jake, if you're going to get it, say, I'm going to get John 17 and 3 while you're thumbing through the pages. At least I'll know you're there. Yep, I got you, Steve. John Atta 17 boy. And 3. I love you, Jake. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true El, and Yahshua the Messiah, whom thou hast sent. And I used to always say whenever we would get this, this, this is the Messiah, red letters, he's saying, and this is life eternal. And everybody in the restaurant, if you say that at a table, should be turning their head going, they're going to tell what life eternal, what is it? What is it that you might know thee? He only, he wants you to know him. Yahweh's spirit, he's this cloud on this chart and, and he manifests within the cloud and you can't know him unless he reveals it through his purpose, pattern and plan of salvation so he's making him making a covenant making himself known giving do's and don'ts you find out you can't keep it there's a lot of stuff going on with a chosen group of people and uh it's just amazing and so lamentations here they made a covenant they were went out into if you point uh, you got egypt the wilderness of Sinai, and then Canaan's land or promised land, Jerusalem, where that was the promised land. That's it's a one, two, three step to the promised land. And they were to take that land, and they did take that land, and Yahweh fought with them their battles, and they made Solomon's temple, and they had peace for 40 years, but then the wheels came off on that bus and they started whoring and uh, learning the ways of the heathen. I'll just say that. They went a whoring around and didn't kill off all the kings and all the things and learned about the different 
gods that aren't really gods. They're imaginations. And they disobeyed Yahweh. They didn't believe Yahweh was real. Or they wouldn't, if they knew who he was, just like they said with the Messiah, they would have never crucified him. If they knew who he was, they would have obeyed him. But they never saw it. They couldn't see it. But this is the way the purpose of Yahweh, he allowed this. Because he knows you can't see him. So he has to show you that on your own, you can't. And he's not trying to save the whole world. He, slept, he selected the least of nations. Israel was the least. They were nobodies. And he made a covenant with them. All this stuff is relevant because this lamentation thing is interesting. He's talked, this could be you before you ever came to class. You know, this world had nothing to offer you. You know, maybe you weren't educated. Maybe you were educated. Maybe you, you were discriminated against because you were a woman. You were just, you know, whatever it was. The world is not a kind place. You know, it's just not fair. You want it to be fair? Good luck with that because it's never been fair. You know, you you got all the credentials and you don't get the job because the nephew of this guy gets the job because he's family. and He's an idiot, but you don't get the job. All this kind of stuff. This is the lamentation of the world, you know, and you can say, he, you know, he's, he's having tears for, for, for the children of Israel, but it's also just common. I can relate to this. You know, there was nothing comforting me. This world didn't comfort even my parents, you know, they, they had a hard time being true to what they believed in and they had their own isms and they were, you know, under a lot of stress and pressure in their life. They weren't the perfect parents. And, and and I have children and I'm not the perfect parent and so on and so forth. All this kind of stuff, you know, you have to, you know, everybody needs a little therapy. I'll just say that in some way, shape, or, and it's rare if you can look above the world and still not have guilt or not have shame or not have anger or not have these things in this world. So I just want to go through some of the things in here. And, you know, I just, it talks about your nakedness exposed, uh, you know, uh, the cruelty of, you know, I'm kind of tying it into just, you know, you go through grade school and somebody, you know, your name, you know, they make fun of your name because it sounds funny and everybody's giggling at you and they don't, think twice about it that it just hurts you and and all this kind of stuff and and we all it keeps mentioning the word comfort in here and and when you think of the holy spirit he's the comforter because after you really know yahweh as he really is and actually exists and that holy spirit under the new covenant is in you you're comforted you're comforted you can see the purpose coming you can see that being put in bondage costs you to be to cry out. You know, people always said they always in the the Passover they always thank Yahweh for bringing them out, but they never thank Yahweh for putting them into bondage, so that he they could cry out and they could know him. Then the whole key is to know your Creator. You got to know him because you cried because things were bad. You didn't like how things were going. In whatever situation, before class, during class, you know, the whole time, there's going to be crying out. It's just 
what we really want is to know our creator and never forget the of the ever presence of him and when we lose track of things and and so on we cry about it we're not sure what he's why what did this happen to me why did that you know i lost my spouse i lost you know whatever i lost my phone <laughs> anything happens and it's it's like you know why we want to know why well why did he put him in bondage why did he he's he is spirit and we can't nothing to see it with and he made us that way so that he could cause us you know ezekiel 36 talks about i will cause you to walk in my statutes i will cause you to be in a situation where you have to cry out i will cause you to do this so this is going to happen he is the one i will it i will he's doing it bringing us to a point where we can see something about pure spirit and have some kind of understanding to know that we were set apart and understand the love that he has towards us. There's a lot that I'm throwing at you from this one lamentation, from going through distress. But the reality is this purpose that we're in right here and now, when this ends, we will know that we have been saved. And it, when I hear the word saved, that means not in the purposes to come, I don't get discarded. I've been saved. And I will go on learning of pure spirit Yahweh, who is just plain awesome. You know, there's just nothing to say. You, you look at the universe and it's all abides within him by him. You know, it, you can't even wrap your mind around what he is. It's so extensive. There's nothing in this puny little, oh, I got 105 IQ. I got 165 IQ. Oh, I got an 80 IQ. None of that means anything in Yahweh's purpose. He can reveal it to the 80 IQ, the 165, even though they're handicapped by having that high of an IQ. You know, he can take us wherever he wants to take us. And and he don't you can't put limitations on him. So I just want to read a little bit of this lamentation, and hopefully I can share with you what I was looking at. Can we read uh, Jake or Karen? Either one. Yep. Start at one. Yes. Okay. Lamentations one and one. How doth the city sit solitary, that was full of people? How was she become as a widow? She that was great among the nations. I like how Yahweh, you know, in this, you know, people have this hang up in the world about men over women and this and that. But Yahweh at some times calls Jerusalem, the kingship tribe, a she. She's a she. Sometimes, you know, I, he's a husband unto us. You know, he uses these scenarios to describe a woman, because Yahweh is both male and female, we're, the sexes were separated with Adam and Eve, and he's saying, we're his beloved. The purpose is to save. He loves whoever he saves, and he loves. So he's talking about these things. She was, you know, this is a, this is what he's saving. Read. And a princess among the provinces. How has she become tributary? Yeah, ordinary, really. She weepeth sore. We wept. Read. And her, her tears are on her cheeks. 
Among all her lovers, she hath none to comfort her. No one understands you. No one's comforting you. No one, you know, they're all judging you. It's horrible to be judged. They don't really know what's, you know, they don't know what your mind is saying. People, you know, first impressions in this world, they say, you blow first impressions, forget it. It's hard. People won't forgive you for, you know, whatever you did that they thought was offensive, you know, and you go, why do they hate me? You know, first impression, something got under their, you know, they're just as blind as you are. Everybody is. And we're trying, you know, we're looking for the one that can comfort us like our mother did when we were a child. She was always scooping us up and picking us up and hugging us and, and our papa and, oh, honey, you know, you know, it was great when you're one, two, three, four. And, you know, all of a sudden you want a different kind of comfort. You want the real comfort that lasts. Go ahead. All her friends have dealt treacher treacherously with her. They are become her enemies. Mm -hmm. Judah is gone into captivity because of affliction and because of great servitude. She dwelleth among the heathen. She findeth no rest. Mm -hmm. All her persecutors overtook her between the straits. You know, I mean, Judah was something in the kingship days when the Solomon's temple was there and everybody had the land and then they started messing it up. And just a few people messing it up affected the whole group. The whole group. You know, and they they blew it. And Yahweh said they, you know, you you will go down into captivity. And Abraham even, his seed would go down into a land they know not of. This is part of the way Yahweh works. He's always putting somebody into captivity to somebody else so that we cry out. It's not unusual at any point. I mean, look at, get Job. What are, what are Job like? Where's Job? Just, we'll come back to this real quick, but where's my, my job? Job one in uh, six. This is how this book starts out. There was a day, read. Now there was a day when the sons of Elohim came to present Job themselves. Now there was a day when the sons of Elohim came to present themselves before Yahweh, and Satan came also among uh oh. Somebody brought invited the devil in. And you wonder why it is what it is. Read. And Yahweh said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered Yahweh and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. You know, uh, they were kind of talking about some of this last night. And, you know, when 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 the children of Israel went over and, and the Egyptians followed them and were swallowed up in the Red Sea, the type and shadow of the satanic spirit not wanting to let them go. Well, those disembodied satanic spirits just got up and went on the other side and uh, inhabited bodies. They've been doing it all along, all the way down, having their way with whoever they wanted. Really, it wasn't until Yahshua took off the flesh, went into the grave, and overcame death, which is what Satan's tool was, death. He overcame it. Now he has rule. And Satan had rule of death, but now Yahshua does, of life and death. 
but he was demonstrating it. He allowed it for a time, you know, in this Satan. Read that. Where are you? Seven or something? Eight. Eight. Go ahead. Read it. And Yahweh said unto Satan, hast thou considered my servant Job? Oh, yeah. Have you considered Karen and Steve or Dennis or Sasha? Yeah, there's a good one. Get Sasha. Read. Hast There's thou, none like him. Hast thou considered my servant Joe, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that fears Elohim and eschews evil? Then Satan answered Yahweh and said, Does Job fear Elohim for not? Yeah. No. Go ahead. Has not found Why has he got anything to fear? You got, he's going to say you got a big hedge around him. You take care of him. You don't let anybody touch him. That's what he's going to say. Uh, read in 10 and 11 there. Has not thou made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he has on every side? Mm -hmm. Bless the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. Yeah, yeah. He's like or daddy's. He's your daddy's favorite. You know, you know, he's that one kid in your family like. Oh, my God, he gets everything. <laughs> Read. But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he has, and he will curse thee to thy face. And then we know the rest of it. He lowers the hedge, and he just says he can't take his life in the end. And he makes it rough on Job. And Job, all of that he goes through, he won't curse Yahweh. See, and, and, and there's a little... In this lamentation here, in Job, in all of these things, you know, Yahweh chose you before he formed the earth. You were way back in pure spirit when he decided to do what he's doing. He thought of all of the sons or daughters, however you want to put it. But he thought of the chosen right from that moment. And they were all chosen by name. He knows the names of every one of you. And, and then the purpose comes through. And he's going to do what he did to, you know, I mean, all of them. Some of them, you know, want to blame Yahweh. And some of them say, well, it's fair, you know. <laughs> We're not that great anyhow. You know, we deserve this. You know, there's just two sides to this thing, the nature. And it's going to. Always comes down to he's going to prove what was in your heart. He's going to prove what was in you, what makes you tick. And you don't even know until you get proven. And then you get to witness it, that Yahshua had chosen you. And you come into that more perfect understanding of this thing. See? But he has to put him, like in Lamentation, he has to put him into captivity you know, and then they're down there, and that's when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abendo go happens. That's when Daniel in the lion's den happens. And there are those that say, well, you know, they get falsely accused, even in captivity. You know, people dislike them, even in captivity. And, and they get, you know, put in situations where they're going to be put to death, and Yahweh spares them. And it, it just... Yahweh will spare you if you're a son. He will cause you to suffer greatly. You know, we thought we were just 
when we came down here, ah, the old we don't have to do those covenant things. We don't have to go to church. We don't have to go. This is all great. <laughs> We're going to go into Egypt. What do you mean, Egypt? Oh, yeah, you'll find out. You'll love the place. And then you start to understand. It takes time to grow into this thing, but it's the way this thing, all you have to do is look at that Moses chart. Come to class regularly, and you'll see the story written why you are sometimes down there and sometimes elevated. And, and, you know, we talk about standing in the holy place. You're in the pattern, whether you're in, in the court roundabout, holy place, most holy place. Because that high priest has to go, which is Yahshua. He makes those figure eights up and down, up and down, going, serving all of it. You're the, the whole thing you will experience. And you just, yeah, you try to stand in the holy place, but you will cry. You will cry. And then you'll be all exalted on a day of atonement that you realize that he's with you every step of the way. And you wonder how you could ever forget that for an instant. And then you have to come down. And then you come down in the service that goes on in there. And uh, so to me, it's always good to, you know, this is our foundation, really. This is where we started. You know, we wanted to talk about the covenants. We wanted to talk, well, we want to talk about the purpose, the covenants, the mystery of iniquity. All of these things are in there, you know, how it, all the witnesses we want are in there. But the plain and simple fact of it is we need to know Yahweh as he really is and actually exists, how he operates. So he sets up a covenant with a people that couldn't keep it. And we get to go back and have a record of Moses wrote this all down. And then the prophets wrote it all down. And then us lucky little Gentiles come in. Sorry, Sasha. We come in at the end and we get to look at it and have, you know, Dr. Kinley had a vision and revelation and we sit in these classes. And what do we do? We pay attention and we marvel. And then the same lecture we marveled at, Someone else was their first timer and they just walked away. And you go, wow, how could they do that? Didn't they hear what I just heard? And so on and so forth. Some fall after the first class, some fall here and there. And then you just got to hang in there. This is, this is the journey that the Holy Spirit puts us on to come into a perfect understanding of him. He knows how to raise a son. He knows how to deliver a son. He knows, you know, we we have children and we read books. Dr. Spock says this and so-and-so says that and lay them on their back. No, lay them on their stomach. And oh my gosh, all these things. And Yahweh doesn't think about it. He just knows how to raise a son properly or a daughter. You know, he just knows how to raise us. He knows what we're going to need. He knows when it's time to put you into a situation and then cause you. You can't handle a lot when you're first coming in. As you age, you can handle more, but then suddenly you learn how to anticipate things. You learn how this pattern works. You learn how this thing goes. Oh, I'm in a death, burial. Oh, I know it's coming. So on and so forth. And, and through the experience of going through these things, we learn to stand in the adversity of life with a whole planet full of people 
that don't know anything that are killing each other left and right down at the end of the age you know they're the it was brought up how the, we lost the abortion right and now they're trying to overturn all these things because satan wants more babies to go to the lake with him he knows he has but a short time i mean you just start seeing things and you just go of course that's why that's on the table that's why they're worrying about that that's why they're dealing with it you know we want to get behind our congressman who votes this way and who votes that way and try to support this guy or that guy a senator or so on and so forth thank you very much thank you rick and all of these things are going according to a purpose you can try to vote against it or for it or this or that but yahweh is allowing whatever he allows he'll put you know hitler was not a mistake that went you know oh man did that he took he blinked and look at hitler happened oh man that's terrible i don't know read lamentation read uh job's situation read you know there's there all the time there's never been a time when there isn't war in this planet there's always war this is satan's kingdom divided it's not a happy place there's no happy meals here it's all a delusion it's all you know you, you vote somebody in that's the best guy and turns out to be the worst you know you take a job and everything was great you like the work you do and then they bring in another plant manager who just doesn't like you know the color of your shirt and suddenly hates you you know and now you don't like that job anymore you know, just this the world the world is, is if that's your comfort you're going to be most miserable there's a scripture that says that and i don't know where it is and it's irrelevant but the point is the same you can't get comfortable on planet earth this is satan's kingdom and he has he's on the clock every time you look at the clock it's about him he goes through the first age you know and he, he comes up after the flood and, and then he comes up after the res you know he just he took the old covenant from the jews and made catholics and they brought it over on this side and said yeah that's a new covenant same stuff you know this is what he does and this is what this lamentations has so many that i didn't cover a lot of it but there were a lot of spots in here where he talks about uh you know how hard it is on this woman and she finds no comfort she can't find comfort and she's naked we want to be clothed in righteousness we want to be comfort we want the comforter this is what we're all looking for is to have somebody that doesn't quit on us in our lives and Yahshua, he's the best husband we can ever have and wife because he's both so with that i'm going to say thank you for the time and we already i announced to the whole class who our next speaker is so thank you thank you the next speaker is the dean i'm sorry the president of the madison wisconsin school dr sasha rakmulievich uh, good evening everyone can you hear me well? Yeah, hi, Sash. Hi. So I. Yeah, Sash. Hi, Kobe. So I really enjoyed what uh, Steve was uh, talking about, and um, I would like to uh, continue to work, not necessarily with the scripture reading, but with the same 
principle. And the principle uh, Steve was working with is uh, Israel being a, uh, uh, I mean, historical uh, Israel, Israel described in the scripture reading and in the Bible is being type and uh, shadow of uh, spiritual Israel. So uh, based on the examples in the scriptures, and I would like to give you some interesting, in my view, examples. From these examples, we can understand what's happening in our spiritual life. To do that, uh, let's uh, first go to, uh, to get some a couple foundational uh, scriptures. Let's go to, well, we already went to uh, John 17 and three. In John 17 and three, it says that the eternal life is to know Yahweh and Yahshua the Messiah who has sent, he has sent. So the eternal life, it's uh, knowledge and understanding of our heavenly father and his purpose of salvation. Because to know the Father and Yahshua the Messiah, in, in, in other words, is to know Yahweh and uh, Yahweh's salvation, because that's what name Yahshua uh, means. And the first speaker was talking about the journal, journey of uh, our salvation according to the pattern, according to the th uh, three uh, steps. So how can we know about Yahweh and his purpose when our creator and his purpose are invisible? So let's go to Romans 1, 19 and 20, please. And please read it. Romans 1, 19. Because that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them. For Yahweh hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Thank you. So to understand our Heavenly Father and his uh, purpose, we have to go uh, to the examples or to uh, the, uh, something which uh, Yahweh made or created. And he created uh, the universe and he created uh, history. And a very important part of this history is described in the Bible because he has separated a certain group of people called uh, children of Israel or Israel. And uh, uh, Yahweh is showing his purpose uh, on the example, uh, using the example of these physical people. These people, according to, I don't have time to go through all the scriptures, but according to Deuteronomy 7th chapter, it says that Yahweh has chosen Israel to be uh, his nation, to be his people, not because they achieved anything or were most uh, numerable uh, or greater numbers, but they were the least of the people, but Yahweh loved Israel and has chosen Israel. And uh, throughout the Bible history, he is using Israel 
as an example for uh, uh, for for us uh, to in in our spiritual life. Uh, where is the witness to that? Let's go to Romans chapter two and read verses twenty-eight and twenty-nine. Before we read that, just to reiterate, in uh, Romans one nineteen and twenty, to paraphrase it or to summarize it, it says that spiritual or invisible things are manifested by. Uh, uh, earthly or visible things. Please read. Romans 2 and 28. For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, and not in the letter whose praise is not of men, but of Yahweh. Thank you. So the physical Israel, who was, uh, the people were circumcised in the flesh, there were types and shadows or examples of spiritual Israel, or we can call it the believers or those who are going to believe in the true gospel of Yahshua the Messiah, and they're going to be a, circumcised in the spirit or in the heart. The heart, by the way, according to uh, Hebrews um, uh, language, it's also synonymous to the mind. So they uh, circumcised in the heart and in the mind. In other words, they circum circumcision has taken away the flesh. So they are not going to see all these events, including who our creator is uh, in a, uh, have some uh, fleshly uh, image, which is a wrong image of uh, Yahweh's in his purpose. But this uh, fleshly uh, or uh, carnal uh, Imagination. I think we lost you, Sasha. Mike is gone, Sasha. And then he's making this statement in. Uh, we the... never heard you there for a while, Sasha. We lost you. Oh, I am sorry. What did you hear the last thing? Hello? I'm not oh. sure. Uh, you were talking about an imagination. You've been gone for a minute. Oh, I don't know what's happening. Nothing. Can you hear me now? Yes, we can. Perfectly. So yeah. pick it up as best you can a little bit and keep going. Well, um, yeah, so... I'm talking about the circumcision in the heart or in the mind. It means that the fleshly understanding is, uh, you know, has to be taken away and we should see and understand our Heavenly Father the way he really is. 
and uh, and if you don't hear me just let me know as soon as you lost the connection because i have no idea what's happening first uh, corinthians chapter 10 verses 11 verse 11 so there paul is talking about again physical israel give the example and then he makes a statement in verse 11. first uh, corinthians 10 and 11. Now all these things happened unto them for examples, and they are written for our uh, admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Right. So it's a, that's another witness to say that's what we read in the Bible about physical uh, Israel is written for our learning. And who are us, Paul is talking about. He is talking about those who believed in the gospel of Yahshua, the Messiah, or the spiritual Israel, or those circumcised in the flesh. Now, if you look at this chart before you, which we call the Moses chart, it depicts the exodus of children of Israel from Egypt, according to this threefold pattern. So there is a black Egypt, depicted on the bottom of the chart. The middle part is the wilderness of Sinai. And the upper part of this uh, track of children of Israel, it's called uh, Canaan uh, land. So it's a three. Lost you, Sasha. You lost you. You were about to say it's a threefold um pattern hello you're back last thing we heard was a canyon land and you were saying that it's a threefold pattern yeah i have no idea what's uh What's happening? Um, let's see, let me. Can you hear me now? I I use the different microphone. Can you yes. hear me? Yes, we do. Let's hope this microphone will stand, uh, uh, will work well. Um, well, so the uh, track of children of Israel is going according to this tabernacle uh, pattern from Egypt, You went blank again, Sasha. Uh, or court route about Egypt, holy place in the wilderness, and most holy place. Sasha, you're cutting in and now, out. What Sasha, do you hear us? Where you've been going in and out again? You know, uh, I I have no idea what's happening. Uh, the computer was working fine, and it's probably to use a different speaker at this point because I don't know what's happening. I'm sorry about that. All right, let Hello? me look. Let's see what the next victim is. Um. 
Can you hear me, Michelle? Michelle, can you hear me? Yes, I do. All right. Let's, uh, um, you can put Karen up and she can give it a shot. All right. Dr. Karen Ganyo of the Madison, Wisconsin School. Good evening. Good evening. Um, yes. Um, I'm not sure where to go. I was really enjoying Sasha there. Um, why don't we go? Um, let's go back to Romans 119 and 20. Okay. Roman Michelle, will you help read? Yes, I was just going to say that. Uh, Romans 1 and 19. Because that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them. For Yahweh hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. All right, so um, so our creator is manifest right within us so that we are without an excuse. And um, so how do we know that? How do we know that he is manifest in us so that we are without an excuse? Um, why don't we get Genesis 2 and 7 and Genesis um, 7 and 15? Genesis, and oh, go ahead. We get um, a definition of Yahweh's name. So Genesis 2 and 7. Can I get a definition of oh. Yahweh's name first, please? Sorry. Strong's definition somebody got? Yep. Trying to work on it. So, um, so it's the invisible things of him that are clearly seen in the creation, right? So what are the invisible things of him? Um, so why don't we get what his name means? I've got uh, from the lexicon, the one bringing into being, life giver, creator, he who brings to pass, performer of his promises, okay. the absolute or unchangeable. Existence. He is the ultimate performer. Go ahead. Yeah. He, um, performer of his promises, the absolute and unchangeable one, self-existing one. This is from a lexicon. Okay. Um, you, Any others? You to breathe. To breathe. That's what I'm looking for. Do you have that? 
Well, that's in the dictionary. I don't have it in my in front of me. I only had this definition on one of Andy's cards on the names. Callie, do you have anything? Um, let me check. I'm looking in Strong's and I'm getting self-existent or eternal. I think it's the dictionary to breathe. I don't think I've ever found it in the dictionary. Well, maybe it's here. Uh, well, I guess we got well, one. Yeah. It threw us for a loop here. Um, I thought it would be in that etymology. Oh, here we go. Let's see. Um, oh, I don't know. I looked up Yahweh in my Merriam-Webster online dictionary app. Uh, basically, it just says compare tetragrammaton. And that's all I really got. And Sorry. I'm getting in my dictionary, too. If you, if you use Strong's and go to Yahweh in Strong's, it will lead you uh, to other words, like to the verb to be, and where you look up to be, one definition is to breathe. That's where you go. Okay. So here it is. The original is the Hebrew word 30, 68, which means self-existent, eternal, Yahweh. Then it's from the word 1961, which is to exist, which is from a similar root or word, which is 1933, which is to breathe. So that's kind of a roundabout, but we'll go in the scriptures and see if that holds true, right? Because he said, the invisible things of him and your breath is, except if it's freezing out, is pretty invisible, right? So his name means to breathe, and he puts his breath right within us, right? So that we are without excuse. So can we go to Genesis? Genesis 2 and 7. Mm-hmm. And Yahweh Elohim formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And okay, man. So here he is, you know, so um, we could go to Matthew where it says, um, you know, he, to the law and to the prophet, or no, in Isaiah, if they speak not according to this word, there's no light in him. So now we're in, in the law. And he's breathing the breath of life into Adam, and he became a living soul, right? So that's the beginning of mankind. So here he is putting that breath of life or causing Adam to exist. And um, so can we get uh, Genesis 7 and 15? And then Ezekiel 37 and 1, I guess. I don't want to read all. Of it, but maybe we can stick down for that one. But let's get Genesis first. Genesis 7 and 15. And they went in, in unto Noah into the ark, two and two of all flesh, 
wherein is the breath of life. All right. So here the breath of life is in the ark too. So if you look in um, the sixth chapter of Genesis, if he said the, the end of all man has come before me because the, 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 what is in their hearts is evil continuously. So here he's destroying all men, but he's keeping that breath of life alive, right? So here he's putting the breath of life in that ark that'll be the resurrection, right, into the new covenant. Um, okay, so let's get the prophets. Um, uh, Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37 and 1. And probably just because I don't want to be here uh, that long, um, just skip down about how they're dry and that they hear the word. So, you know, because you have that breath of life in Adam, and then in the ark, there was that breath of life. And so those, the men and the animals, they lived. So now in Ezekiel, I don't have that scripture, so... Uh, verse five, thus saith Yahweh Elohim unto these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. All right. So here, um, you had this valley of dry bones and they were, there was no, so they were dry so that then he spoke the word and isn't that my word shall drop as the dew? Um, the, and be just you know, where is that one? Um, it's Deuteronomy 32 and 2. Yeah. Um, let's just get that real quick. Deuteronomy 32. And 2. De Deuteronomy 32 and 2. My doctrine shall drop as the rain. My speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. Okay, so that's, doesn't the, the tender herb and the grass, they need that water to live, right? And so that's what that valley of dry bones, they're getting that water or his doctrine like we are, we're getting that breath of life or that doctrine. The gospel is making us live, right? We hear that word and we live. Um, can we get Job uh, 32 and 8? And then Psalms 150 and 6. Did you say Job 32 and 8? Yep, I have it. Okay. Uh, Job 32 and 8. But there is a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. All right, so that inspiration, or that, so that's breathing or to be inspired. Like, don't they say when a baby, they get that inspiration when they, um, when it's first born and they, you know, tap its back to get its lungs working? So that breath of the Almighty that makes us to understand. So we hear the word and we understand the word and that makes us live. 
right? And get that revelation. Uh, and I get Psalms 150 and 6, and then Isaiah 11 and 4. Let everything that hath breath praise Yahweh. Praise ye Yahweh. All right. And then um, can we get uh, Psalms for, or I'm sorry, um, Strong's for praise? Sure. So everything that has breath, praise Yahweh. And that's so. When we live, when we have that breath of life, right? We breathe that tetragrammaton. You know, you breathe in Yah, and you breathe out Wave. You have the birds that are they're flapping their wings to fly. You know, it goes up and it's Yah, and it comes down and it's Wave. You know, you just have everything in the in the creation is breathing somehow mm -hmm. and they're praising our creator and um could i get strong's okay strong's for praise um from the hebrew 1984 to be clear to shine hence to make a show to boast and thus to be foolish to rave, causatively to celebrate, also to stultify, boast, celebrate, commend. Okay, I had um, written down clear of sound. So, but yeah. to be clear, to right? be clear originally of sound, but usually of color. Oh, see, and so we see that uh, prism of color too. So it's clear of sound. So he makes it clear so that we are without excuse, right? Because that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them. For the invisible things are, are clearly seen so that we are without excuse. So we're praising Yahweh. It's clear of sound. And that's praising Yahweh. It's giving him um you know, praise or, or um, um, declaring his name so that everybody can, can have a witness and be with them out an excuse. Um, I don't know if it, it's making clear that matter, but can I have like, um, Isaiah 11 and 4? I... Isaiah 11 and 4, but with the righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth, and he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. Right. So here it's the preaching of the gospel. It can be a blessing or it can be a curse. So it for those that understand, hear it and understand, that's a blessing and they're, they're going to live. But, but those that, that ignore it or turn their back or don't believe that that breath of life will slay the wicked, right? Okay, um, can I have John uh, 20 and 21? So we had the law and the prophets. So let's get John 20 and 21, and then Acts 2 and 2. 
John 20 and 21. Then said Yahshua to them again. Sorry. Then said Yahshua to them again, peace be unto you, as my father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, receive you the Holy Spirit. All right. So this is, here's the fulfillment. This is all before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, right? So they had the breath of life in Adam, in the ark, those dry bones. And, um, you know, so now he's breathing on them. Read that again. And when he said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, sorry. And, and breathed unto them what? Where do you want me to begin, Karen? Pick it up and go again. You were doing it. You were good. Okay. I just thought I heard someone say something. Um, and no, when he said that. My mom's mic sometimes when you two are both on. That's all. Then said Yahshua to them again. I'm sorry. Yeah, that, I think I lost my place here. Okay, 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, receive you the Holy Spirit. Okay, so he's breathing on them and outpouring that Holy Spirit. Or, um, but yet it's not something, you know, the Holy Spirit hasn't been poured out yet. Permanently. So why don't we get Acts 2 and 2. Acts 2 and 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it mm -hmm. filled all the house where they were sitting. Yeah, so now here's the day of Pentecost, and they're all in one place in one accord, right? And that's when um, keep. Keep reading, because where do you want to go? The floor, I guess. Verse 3, And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. It began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. All right, so so here they are, that that outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and that rushing, rushing mighty wind. Um, or that breath of life. Um, and that's how, and so we have that law, prophets, and fulfillment showing that that spirit make for um, when we hear the word, we come to class, we have the gospel preached to us, he makes us to understand, and he gives us life. And that's such a beautiful thing. And that is our witness. For how we are without an excuse because it's manifest right within us, his name or that breath of life. Um, let's see, why don't we try Acts 5 and 20? Just um, a couple more scriptures and then I'll be down. Acts 5 and 20. Okay, Acts 5 and 20. Go. Stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. Okay, so now we we can um, speak. Let's 
you know, so now we're speaking or we're, thank you, I see it. And that's perfect. Um, all the, so now we can breathe that life onto all the people of this life, okay? Um, John 6 and 68. John 6. Then, um, John 17 and 3, and I'll be done. John 6 and 68. Then Simon Peter answered him, Master, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Mm -hmm. So it's those words of eternal life. That's that breathing. The words or the gospel, which is that eternal life. All right. And John 17 and 3. John 17 and 3. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true El, and Yahshua the Messiah, whom thou hast sent. Right, so that's our eternal life, is preaching Yahshua, that death, burial, and resurrection, you know, declaring Yahweh's name. You know, it's all that breath of life, and that's eternal life, is to know him. And that's, and that's why we come down here, is to share what has been shown to us so we can all live. So um, I guess that's all I have to say. So thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker will please be the Dean of the Oceanside California School, Dr. Dennis Volpe. I wanna say good evening to everyone. I recognize we've had some problems tonight, uh, equipment problems. And just to be on the safe side, is everybody hearing me okay? Yes. We got okay. you. Great, great. Okay. Well, you know, it's, it, it's been an interesting class tonight, and I want to make a few comments about the scripture reading. Now, first of all, let me say this. Uh, uh, the book of Lamentations. First thing we should find out is what exactly is a lamentation. So let's go over, I'm going to read it in a dictionary for you, of the definition so that you're aware of what a lamentation is. It's an expression of sorrow, mourning, or regret. It's a lamenting. Now, with that being said, we have to look at that book of lamentation and ask, okay, what is the lamenting about? What is the expression of sorrow and from where is it coming? Now, if you check out the history of that book, they do not know who the author was. It was put into the scriptures because of the fact that the obvious messages that are being expressed in that book of lamentations is in harmony with what Yahweh said in the law and what has transpired down through the time that they were in the land of Canaan. Now, in the law, Yahweh warned them and told them, the Israelites, that he was a jealous Elohim and that they were not to worship any other deities other than him, that they were married to him and he wanted Israel to be loyal. Now, what we know happened is that over there in the book of Deuteronomy, we also read that Yahweh showed Moses that Israel would utterly corrupt themselves 
and turned from the things that he had spoken to them and commanded them there at Mount Sinai. And Moses went ahead and warned them before his death, and I believe it was in the 31st chapter of Deuteronomy, that they would utterly corrupt themselves. In fact, let's just go get that, because we have a little time. I want you to go into, uh, let me go over there in my book too as well. I believe that it is Deuteronomy 31, but I'll tell you in one second here. I want to make sure that I'm starting exactly where I want to start. All right, let's see here. Now, this is where Yahweh had told Moses that he was going to die and that he was to put Yahshua in charge of the congregation. And Moses then called together all of the uh, people before him. That's in 30 right. and 19. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking here. Yep, that's, but I want to get to, I want to make sure I didn't pass something that I also definitely want to uh, comment on here. All right, you read that. What's happening is Yahweh told him that he was going to, uh, he was going to die uh, and that he was to pass the authority over to Joshua or Yahshua, the son of Nun. Now, we'll start there. Uh, let's go ahead. Well, first of all, uh, hang on. I'm going to go up a little bit further. Wow. Start at 16. In chapter 30? Yep, exactly. 31. Right. 31. Deuteronomy 31 and 16? Correct? That's correct. Go yeah. ahead. Uh, Deuteronomy 31 and 16. And Yahweh said unto Moses, Behold, thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, and this people will rise up, and you'll go a-whoring after the gods of the strangers of the land. Now listen, it wasn't, Yahweh did not say there, Yahweh Elohim did not say, well, they might start a-whoring after other gods, or they might rise uh do these things uh that i commanded him not to he's not telling him that that is a possibility he's telling him this is what's going to happen keep reading uh whether they go to be among them and will forsake me and break my covenant which i have made with them go ahead and read verse 17 then my anger shall be kindled against them in that day and i will forsake them and I will hide my face from them, and they shall be devoured. And many evils and troubles shall befall them. Now listen, so that listen. What he's saying here in Deuteronomy is the foundation for the lamenting that you're reading about in the book of Lamentations. Read. So that they will say in that day, are not these evils come upon us because our Elohim is not among us? Now, there was another uh, chapter in Deuteronomy that I'm not going to have you get. It was the chapter on the blessings and the cursings. And a few weeks ago, we had that for a scripture reading, 
in the Oceanside class on Saturday night, where Yahweh warned them that if they were, uh, first he told them if they were obedient, that all these good things were going to come upon them. And then if they were disobedient, all these curses would come upon them. Now, Yahweh was well aware that the Israelites there did not have the heart to be obedient to that covenant. And furthermore, that they did not have the heart of loving them to be loyal to their husband, which in this case was Yahweh Elohim. So therefore, he is telling Moses that uh, these things that I warned them about, these evils are going to come upon them because they're going to go whoring after other gods. They're going to commit adultery. And he said what he would do here, he would hide his face in that day for all the evils which they shall have wrought, and that they turn to other gods. Keep reading there, 19. Um, dropping down to 19. Now therefore, write you this song for you, and teach it to the children of Israel. Put it in their mouths, that this song may be a witness for me against the children of Israel. Go ahead. For when I shall have brought them into the land, which I swear unto their fathers, that floweth with milk and honey, and they shall have eaten and filled themselves and waxen fat, then will they turn unto other gods and serve them and provoke me and break my covenant. Now watch. What you're seeing, ladies and gentlemen, what you're reading back here is an admonition or a warning that is for our benefit now under this new covenant that we do not do we should not think that when life things are going good in our life that we can just all of a sudden start forgetting about Yahweh because everything's everything is uh is, is fine uh and think that we don't need our creator or we have more important things to commit ourselves to and dedicate ourselves to that is a warning because the Israelites, they got up there in that land of that flowed with milk and honey, and everything was good at first. Of course, they, they overcame the inhabitants and then received their inheritances. And as long as they were obedient to Yahweh, they would not be overcome in battle, and they would not be taken captive. But one of the curses was that they would be overcome, and they would be taken captive if they disobeyed that covenant. Now, Yahweh's uh, telling Moses here what's going to happen, not what might happen, what's going to happen. You follow? And uh, keep reading. Verse 21, And it shall come to pass, when many evils and troubles have are befallen them, that this song shall testify against them as a witness. For it shall not be forgotten out of their mouths of their seed. For I know their imagination, which they go about, even now, before I brought them into the land, which I swear. He already knows what's going on in their hearts and minds and what they're going to do as a result of what is in their hearts. And that is that they're going to whore after other gods and they're going to worship other deities and they're going to corrupt themselves. Keep reading. Verse 22. Moses, therefore, wrote this song the same day and taught it the children of Israel. Mm-hmm. Verse 23, and he gave Joshua, the son of Nun, a charge and said, be strong and of good courage. 
For thou shalt bring the children of Israel into the land which I swear unto them, and I will be with thee. Keep going. 24. And it came to pass when Moses had made an end of writing the words of the of this law in a book until they were finished, that Moses commanded the Levites, which bear the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh, saying, Take this book of the law and put it in the side of the Ark of the Covenant of Yahweh, your Elohim, that it may be there for a witness against thee. Continue. Verse 27, for I know thy rebellion and thy stiff neck. Behold, while I am yet alive with you this day, you have been rebellious against Yahweh. And how much more after my death? Mm -hmm. Verse 28, gather unto me all the elders of your tribes and your officers that I may, may speak these words in their ears and call heaven and earth to record against them. For I know that after my death you will utterly corrupt yourselves and turn aside from the way which I co have commanded you. And evil will befall you in the latter days, because you will do evil in the sight of Yahweh, to provoke him to anger through the work of your hands. Now, I'm having this read to you. To You have to understand that the book of Lamentations took place or was written at the time of Jeremiah, in fact, they ha the scholars have uh, speculated that Jeremiah may have been the author of Lamentations because Jeremiah prophesies the fall of Jerusalem. Now, we know that what happened is that Solomon, who was the son of David, who prayed or, or, or was given a, a choice by Yahweh Elohim, he would give him whatever he asked, and he asked for wisdom. And that wisdom was given to him, truthfully, let's be honest about it. The Holy Spirit entered into Solomon, and that's where that source of wisdom was coming from. Now, later on, the Holy Spirit left left uh, Solomon. Solomon, back before uh, Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was not permanent within a vessel. And therefore, what happened is Solomon started to intermarry and have hundreds of wives that were not, uh, if you will, even of the, uh, of the nation of Israel. And he started to worship their gods. And he started to worship pagan deities and all these kind of things. And you can read about this. This is in your book of Kings and Samuel and so on and Chronicles. Now, what happened is Yahweh Elohim rent the kingdom from Solomon which means that Solomon was the one king of Israel and the kingdom was split in two parts. There was the tribe of Judah and Benjamin uh, that were allied and then the other 10 tribes that were uh, opposed. And at one point there was two kings that were ruling Israel. Israel and Judah had been split. Now what I want you to understand is that that was when the Ark of the Covenant, when what happened was the uh, Babylonians came in and began to conquer Israel, just as Yahweh said that they would not prevail against their enemies. And when they came in, Jeremiah was commanded to take the Ark of the Covenant and bury it in a cave. And according to Dr. Kinley, it's in that cave to this day and man's never going to find it which means there was no Ark of the Covenant from the time of Jeremiah all the way down to the day of Pentecost. 
which means that there was no atonement being made for sin for all of those hundreds of years. Now, what I'm telling you is that this lamentation, when we, we start it, let's go back over for a minute to that, that scripture reading that we had tonight, because I want to try to see if I can drive a few things home for you on this. In lamentation, let's start at one there. I'm just going to make a few points, and we're going to develop something about this whole occurrence of what this lamentation is lamenting or trying to lament about. Go ahead and read. Lamentations one and one. How does the city sit solitary that was full of people? Now the question here is what city is he talking about? He's talking about Jerusalem. Now the physical city of Jerusalem over there, ladies and gentlemen, was originally established as the center of where Yahweh set up on Mount Moriah, the temple. The temple, obviously, that sits in Jerusalem to this day, but not the, not Solomon's, of course. They uh, That's the site of the temple of King Herod, which was a rebuilding of what was once the temple that was built by Solomon. Now, what I want you to understand is that Jerusalem was the city that Yahweh centered and put his temple in that city. That temple is a figure of Yahshua the Messiah in all of his glory. And the tabernacle is a figure of Yahshua dwelling in the physical creation in the likeness of sinful flesh. Because on the outside, there's no beauty, no comeliness, nothing to be desired. But the temple is a glorious structure. Now, what I want you to know is that Jerusalem became a habitat and collection of people that were all supposed to be following the law that were supposed to worship Yahweh as he required back there at Mount Sinai. And so theoretically and hypothetically, Jerusalem was supposed to be a standard to the world from a natural standpoint of worshiping the true God, being espoused to him and his bride, and that they were to represent Yahweh to the world. And therefore, when Israel became corrupted, which was happening down through the prophets because they were worshiping pagan deities and they were corrupting the things that Yahweh had told them to do and not, do, and not doing things he told them to do and then doing things in, uh, that they put in place that were coming from paganism, such as they stopped calling on the name of Yahweh and they started calling on the name of Baal. Now, Baal, as you know, is a term or a name of a deity and the meaning of Baal is the Lord. Now, I want you to know that the Lord is still being, he's still being called by the Lord to this day by the Israelites and, and for the most part, most of the world. Now, Yahweh told him that his name, this is my name forever. And when he had that temple built, it was a place for his name. Now, what we got is we got a profaning of the name of Yahweh. We have the people that were entrusted with this information or knowledge of the name of Yahweh themselves bringing it to naught and breaking the commandment that thou shalt not take the name of Yahweh thy Elohim to bring it to naught or take it in vain, which means the same thing. Now, what I want you to realize is that, that the whole nation becomes a collection of souls there in Jerusalem in the area that was supposed to be a holy land in the types and shadows and a representation of Yahweh's 
law that he gave and the uh, uh, that they were supposed to have a love for their creator and that that name might be expressed and be represented properly. Now, what happened is that didn't happen. They took on the names of other deities and they transgressed the law. And, and listen, right in the center of it, just as we read in Deuteronomy, were the Levites, the priests, the ones that were told back there at the mountain when he sets up the tabernacle that the job of the Levites was to teach the people the difference between what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is, uh, what is holy and what is unholy. And they stopped doing that. The very ones that were to teach the people and maintain the law when they got up in the land of the Canaan was the ones that Yahweh would send the prophets to. He said, uh, over there in Malachi, he said, Oh, you priests that despise my name. The priests that are supposed to represent the name despised his name. And they became ones that corrupted Israel into not using him, teaching his name. Now, amongst other things. But I want you to realize then that this nation, this gathering of souls that are supposed to be the bride, the bride of Yahweh Elohim, are the ones now that are profaning him and that are setting up an example of idolatry and disobedience. Now he's going to send them all into captivity. So Jerusalem becomes desolate. It becomes what was supposed to be a beacon of righteousness from a, from a natural standpoint, it became a beacon of idolatry. And so this lamentation is your creator with great sorrow having to cause this city that he himself set up to be, as it were, desolate. And, and we know that uh, also it was destroyed later on uh, what the temple and everything when the uh, Romans came in there in 70 AD. I mean, there's a whole history of this stuff. But what I want you to see is what we're reading about is Jerusalem beneath, not representing what it was supposed to represent. And so the lamentation, everything you're reading about uh, weeping, and, she, and it talks about she weepeth sore in the night. This is used in a feminine sense to show that Jerusalem is a representation of the bride of Yahshua. He's the husband, we're the bride. It's not the physical city, but it's just a manifestation of a congregation of souls. Because when people live in a locale, in a city, they become, we call ourselves, for an example, uh, in L.A., they call them Angelinos, meaning that they are all inhabitants of Los Angeles or New Yorkers and so on. And people uh, identify as being New Yorkers in the city of New York and so on. Now, what I want you to see, though, is that this Jerusalem beneath did not get the job done. So there's going to be a representation there that will have to be, uh, as it were, fixed by your creator. So I'm going to go over right now, and I want to take you over to another scripture that we're going to go to. I want you to go over to, first of all, uh, let's see here. Hang on, I just had the scripture here, and I hope I still do. It's in Galatians. 
Go to the book of Galatians, and I believe it's the third. No, let's, it's Galatians 4. Go into the fourth chapter, and I want to start here. Uh, let's go to 422. Okay, Galatians 4 and 22. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid and the other by a free woman. All right, now watch. Here we have Yahweh. Uh, get for Just for a minute, get me the uh, elementary chart, if you would, please. One second. Okay. Your second is up, by the way. <laughs> just joking. Now, we're going to read about, and we're going to get into a little bit of something here about uh, what's happening here with this situation. Thank you. Now, what we have is this. Yahweh Elohim orchestrates this in the purpose that Abraham marries his sister. Sarah was his half-sister. Now, what happens is Yahweh Elohim caused her to be barren. She couldn't bring forth offspring. So what ends up happening is, for in order for the lineage to continue and that somebody receives an inheritance, Sarah offers Hagar, or Hagar, however you want to pronounce it, which was her maiden, which was her servant, if you will, to bear a child for Abraham. And so she was half Egyptian. She was an Egyptian woman, by the way. So what happens is Sarah, uh, 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 Hagar, uh, re, uh, has a child by Abraham called Ishmael. And Ishmael was half Egyptian and half Hebrew. Now, he was firstborn. But what we understand is that when we know how the purpose works, that the firstborn doesn't get the inheritance. It's the secondborn that gets the inheritance, not the firstborn. And therefore, what has to happen is Yahweh at some point opens up the womb of Sarah so she can bear a child. And of course, he did it when she was very, very old and was well past the years of childbearing. So that when she bore the child, you would recognize it was a child by a promise that Yahweh Elohim made to Abraham that he would have an offspring coming from his own loins. Now, what that means is Sarah, who is his wife, and back there we find out that the woman was bone of Adam's bone and flesh of his flesh. They are one. Therefore, the when a man and a woman marry, the wife is a part of the body of the considered by Yahweh to be a member or a part of the body, an extension of the body of the husband. Now, what happens is then, in order for him to bear a son of his own loins, he has to have a child with his wife. And Yahweh causes that to happen, as we were just talking about. Now, that child was a child of a promise. And therefore, Isaac, who was the secondborn of Abraham, is going to receive the inheritance. Now, this sets up the whole thing that you must be born again to see the kingdom of Yahweh that Yahshua says to Nicodemus in the third chapter. You've got to be second born in order to receive the inheritance and to get into the kingdom, to be a part of the kingdom. Now, what I want you to see is he sets us up with a second born child. Now, 
Both children are representing a principle of how something that operates in Yahweh's purpose. And this is what Paul is trying to get across here. He's talking about Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid and the other by a free woman. Keep reading now. Verse 23. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. So the one that is born from the firstborn, who is born from a bondwoman, is born after the flesh. Now, let me just explain this to you. I hope I can get this out. Now, when Adam and Eve were commanded by Yahweh Elam to be fruitful and multiply, all of the offspring are born from those two after they transgressed and were sent out of the garden to show that mankind, all of mankind, even to this day, is a firstborn son of as a product of Adam and Eve. Firstborn, in other words, the offspring is of the flesh, or earthy, or fleshly. And so we have to have that repeat. We got Ishmael representing a fleshly son, and Isaac representing a son after the promise, represent, which is a manifestation of a spiritual son, or one that was born after the flesh. Now, keep reading. But he of the free woman was by promise. Now the free woman was by a promise. So when I said born after the flesh, I don't mean that Isaac was born after the flesh. He was born after the fleshly son of Ishmael, who represents a physical birth. He represents a spiritual birth because it's by the uh, 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 power. See, Sarah didn't have the ability to have a child. She was too old. But Yahweh committing, uh, uh, being able to operate his his spiritual power caused her to have a child to know that that child was a son of a miracle or of a spiritual intervention, which makes him to be, as it were, in the type and shadow, a spiritual son, not a physical son as Ishmael was. Keep reading. Verse 24, which things are an allegory. Now, these things are an allegory. Read. For these are the two covenants. These are the two covenants. Read. The one from Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage. Now the first one, the first son, genders to the first covenant of from Mount Sinai, which genders to bondage. So therefore, when the covenant was given, it was contrary to the very nature of the people that stood around that mountain, which means they were in bondage to that law and were not able to keep it and they were caught in a, in a in a bad situation because their nature was contrary to the law and so they were in bondage to it. Now Yahshua has to come and free them and liberate them from that bondage. Keep reading because I'm, I'm interjecting things as we're going. Great. Uh, which is Agar. Now Hagar Agar is gendering to the first covenant. And Israel was at that mountain that was showing forth them being born from the fleshly standpoint. They were firstborn of Yahweh. In fact, when they were in Egypt, Yahweh Elohim told Moses to go down and tell Pharaoh to let Israel my, Israel my son go, even my firstborn. He already labeled them as his firstborn son, which means they gendered to Hagar. They are children after the flesh. Now, the second generation in the wilderness represented 
the second born that would go in and receive the inheritance, which uh, which is another story. But I don't have enough time to break this all down for you. Keep going. Verse 25, for this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. Now listen, listen, he says now, the Hagar represents that birth after the flesh in the first covenant, which now answers to Jerusalem. Now the Jerusalem that he's talking about is not the one that's physically over there in the land that we call Israel today, over there in the area of Mount Moriah. He's not talking about that was the manifestation. He's really talking about a spiritual reality of Jerusalem that I want to try to get to before we close this class out. Read. Verse 26. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free. Now listen, the... Jerusalem, which is above. Now he's now the Jerusalem over there in in what do you call it in uh, in Israel is not from above; it's beneath. It's here in the earth plane. But the Jerusalem that he's talking about is a spiritual dwelling. It is a spiritual city. It is a spiritual gathering of a congregation of souls that are part of that if you will, that dwelling that we look at Jerusalem as being a heavenly city. Now, I want you to know that Dr. Kinley one time threw a curveball at me. He said that Abraham walked the length and the breadth of Canaan's land, but never once set promise in the promised land. Now, when he said that, I was sitting in his apartment. I looked at him. I said, what do you mean, Doc? Doesn't it say right in the Bible that Abraham was in the promised land? He said, well, why don't you go ahead and look that up? And let me know when you find it, and I'll be right back. So he walked out of the room. I got my Bible and started to thumb through it because I was going to show him. And all of a sudden, it hit me what he was talking about. That that the promised land is you dwelling in Yahshua the Messiah. That is where our soul has to be put in him. That is the where the city of Jerusalem abides is the congregation of souls that will be put in Yahshua the Messiah, which is the true promised land, and that, that Jerusalem is the city from above. In other words, in a spiritual reality, not physical. Keep reading. Verse 26, But Jerusalem which is above is free, which is the mother of us all. Read. Verse 27, For it is written, Rejoice, thou barren that bearest not, Break forth and cry, thou that travailest not. For the desolate hath many more children than she which hath a husband. Now listen, I want you to see that you and I, all of us sitting up under this teaching, have been led of the Spirit and drawn down to, I see the five minutes, drawn down to this gospel, and we are being caught up, and our conversation is in heaven. We talk about things that are not physical. We have a conscious awareness of when we discuss these principles of the reality of spirit, which the world does not know anything about, and we become in uh, fellow citizens in that heavenly city that is in Yahshua the Messiah. Now, I want you to go over for a minute. I want to show you something Yahshua said here uh, in Matthew, the 23rd chapter. Let's start at 37. Read 23, 37. Um, Matthew 23 and 37. 
O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathered gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not. Now, what you got to understand is when Yash was making this statement, this is before the death, burial, resurrection, he's overlooking Jerusalem, and he's lamenting because he's got to fulfill that book of Lamentations. He's lamenting over the sinfulness and disobedience of those inhabitants of physical Jerusalem. And he talks about how he would have gathered them together as a hen gathers her chicks. Now, here's what happened. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out and put in those disciples, those eyewitnesses, and they were commanded in, in Matthew uh, 27, I think, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the whole and, and the name of the Son and the name of the Holy Spirit. And we already know that Yahshua in the in the fourteenth chapter of John said that when the comforters come, which the Father will send in my name, he'll bring back all things to your remembrance. So here comes Peter on the day of Pentecost when he received the Holy Spirit. And he wasn't alone, it was the other apostles who were going to preach this gospel. It was all of them that were commissioned. Now, what I want you to know is they go out, and here goes Peter out there. It isn't Peter that is preaching or speaking. That is Yahshua now in Peter. And what is he doing? All of these people that have come into Jerusalem at that time on the day of Pentecost, they were in Jerusalem. They came in to celebrate the feast day of Pentecost that was set up under the law that is spoken about in the book of Leviticus. They are coming in from all these countries, and here comes Yahshua through Peter, gathering these souls unto himself as a mother hen would gather her chicks. And he's now going to impregnate them with the Holy Spirit and raise them into this, put them into the heavenly city of Jerusalem, the mother of us all. And this is what I want you to understand. That lamentation of the first city, Jerusalem, was now, if you will, uh, healed by the gathering of souls, the elect, in Yahshua the Messiah to enter into spiritual Jerusalem, the city that we read about in Revelation, the 20, I think it's the 21st, 22nd chapter, somewhere over there. And so I want you to realize is that lamentation was for those that are in the flesh that have never received the Holy Spirit nor ever understood and comprehended the great, the great uh, uh, gifts that are given unto us now by the Holy Spirit. And we now are the recipients of that. We are now citizens, fellow citizens in that city. And we are celebrating the peace. The word Jerusalem has peace in it. Shalom means peace. And we have the righteousness, peace, and joy in our hearts because we've been translated into the kingdom, and Jerusalem is the city, spiritual city, that abides within that kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah. And so, therefore, we now rejoice. But before you receive the Holy Spirit, there's nothing but lamentations, lamenting that the world does not accept or receive the things of Yahweh that would enrich their soul and give them if you will, the, uh, uh, make them right or, or meet, as it says, to be an inheritor as sons in light. 
So I hope you understand something a little bit about that Lamentations. I hope you understand now why we are no longer lamenting. We are now preaching and rejoicing in Yahshua the Messiah. I hope that made some sense to you. Thank you for the opportunity. I'll turn it back to the moderator. Peace in Yahshua. Thank you. Thank you to everyone for joining us this evening. The Madison class holds Zoom class every Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And we hope that you'll join us again. Just a reminder to please stay muted until the live stream has ended. Now to be dismissed by the doxology taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise Yahweh, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Let us all say, Hallelujah. Hallelujah.